My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here. Good morning, everybody. Chilly South Florida weather. What do we got right now? 54 degrees. Hoop, there it is. All of our winter clothes get two wears out of them. So this is one. It's very good. We're in the midst of a series called The Awakening. Everybody say The Awakening. We're talking Book of Acts, and we've been going back and forth through this refrain that the incredible things we see in the Book of Acts, the amazing things that we have seen God do in modern history, if he did it before, he could do it again. Come on, somebody. Last week, we celebrated seven years, seven years since we launched here at Western High School, and we talked about our need for holy power to accomplish his holy purpose. If you missed it in the room online, you can check it out on our YouTube or our podcast. This week, I wanna dig more into the power and purpose, specifically about the how. How does this holy power, how does this holy purpose manifest itself on the earth? If you've got a Bible, you can turn to Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two. If you don't, we got Sky Bible up on the screen for your viewing enjoyment. We'll begin in verse 14, but before we do, let me set the stage. Here's the backstory. Jesus gave his disciples a mission. He said, wait in Jerusalem, then you're gonna go make disciples, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, all over the planet. It sounds exciting, but wait. For what? The Holy Spirit. You're gonna get the Holy Spirit. You're gonna be given power from on high to be my witnesses. They listened to him. Go figure, it's probably a good idea to listen to Jesus, amen? Amen. They listen to Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes, freak me out. Tongues of fire show up on people's heads. Lord, that would be helpful right now, actually, in this current climate. Tongues of fire show up on their heads, and they go out speaking in these languages they do not know prior. People are gathered. We'll get into the context of why people are gathered from all over the known world, and they miraculously hear these people who would not know their language normally speaking their heart language, and it blows them away, and they come to the only conclusion that they could imagine. They're drunk. This is where we begin. Somebody say, preach, preacher. Then Peter stood up with the 11, with the disciples. He raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, just to be clear. It's only nine in the morning, which would, you know, we're not in like college town. We're not in FSU or something. I mean, sorry, was that too too soon? No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Specifically, this now comes from Joel chapter two, one of the prophets in the Old Testament. He said, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will, what does it say? Prophesy. Key in on this word here. We'll see it over and over again. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Do you think there's an expectation from God of what happens when his spirit comes? They prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's pray. Jesus, help speak. Move, please. Amen. Turn your neighbor, give him a high five, an elbow bump, or a hug. You can find your seats if you're online. You could fist bump your dog. If you have a cat, pray for him. They need salvation, no doubt about it. You ever had your words get you into trouble? Yeah, 
All of you are human, that's good to know. Um, my son Liam, my wife and I have two kids, our oldest named Liam, he's five years old, and Buddy is exceptionally loquacious. Anyone know what that means? That's a fun word to say, loquacious. It means he uses lots of words. I don't know where he got that from, to be quite honest. I'm not sure where that came from. Uh, but, but as you can imagine, my son and I have lots of extensive conversations about all of the things. And uh, I remember one time in particular, not long ago, uh, we were having a conversation about bedtime. Uh, kids, I don't know how this works, but it becomes like a hostage negotiation to try to get your kid to go to bed. They, they, they have all of the stall tactics. Any parents out there, can I get an amen to this? this one, all of the stall tactics. And so he had just got done playing with his friends in the neighborhood. And he's like, dad, I'm thirsty. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, I'm going to give you a little bit of water, but not too much water because the bedtime and potty training, he's there, but he's not all the way there, there. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm like, okay. And so now we were going back and forth on how much water. And I'm like, all right, I'll give you this little cup. He's like, no, but I want the Spider-Man cup. And I'm like, oh, well, that's too much water. And we're going back and forth. And, and at some point I'm just like, and I, and I uttered these words and immediately regretted it. I said, son, it's not that big of a deal. to which he began to get passionately irate. And he's like, no, dad, dad, I need to do this. I'm like, son, it's fine, you're gonna be fine. He's like, no, dad, but I was just outside running around. I'm like, son, it's not a big deal. And he said, dad, you're going to make me dehydrated. And I just looked at him and I was like, that's a great word choice. But also chill out, go to bed, you're gonna be fine. You get the Spider-Man cup and he was ex expert negotiation tactics. But I remember, I, I quickly learned with my son, I must choose my words carefully because he has a response for everything. So often, if, if we're being circumspect, we endeavor or desire to say the right things, words that will help to deescalate a situation, words that will heal, words that will bring comfort, and we just don't know what to say. Or maybe in moments that we don't feel so saintly, we know just the right wrong words to say that will cut to the heart, that'll tear someone down, that'll stick with them for the rest of the day because they deserve it. Why do we do this? You ever said something before and as you're saying it, you're like, no, 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 words are coming up. Maybe you didn't do that, all that, but you know what I'm saying. If there was ever a time to, to, to figure this out and make a change in this direction, this is the moment. Why? Because people are hurting. I mean, we're, 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 we're all hurting to some degree, but we feel it. Our coworkers, our family members, our neighbors, people around us, we're hurting, we're broken. Many are hopeless. People are dying. And our world needs life. Now, maybe more than ever. So how do we become a part of the, how do we become a part of the solution rather than a part of the problem? How do we help bring life to those around us? Would anyone like to be a part of that equation? Words of life, Lord help us. Here's my big idea. I'll unpack it as we go through the next several moments. If you're taking notes, jot this down. This is my premise. We need his boldness and his words to join in his plan to heal our world. We need his boldness. Who's the his? God, right? Always the right answer in church. We need his boldness and his words to follow his plan to heal our world. Let me unpack what I mean by this. Jesus began with a ministry and he ended with giving his disciples, at least on earth, a mission. What's the mission? He told them to go and make 
There it is. That's why we exist here at Greenhouse, to make disciples, ordinary people into passionate followers of Jesus. He gave them a mission to go and make disciples, beginning in Jerusalem, then extending to Judea, then all the way out to Samaria, then to the ends of the earth. But he also gave them a plan. He said, listen, you're gonna do this amazing mission, but first you need to wait. You need to wait for the Holy Spirit. You need to be baptized or immersed in the Holy Spirit. And then you're gonna receive power to be my witnesses. We talked about that last week. There's a purpose behind this holy power. Here, my question this morning is, what is that power? How do we quantify that? What are the marks that we're looking for to know that the Holy Spirit is active and working? One of the consistent trends all throughout the book of Acts is boldness. But there's one other thing that pops up almost every single time we see God's Spirit at work. Let me jump back to Proverbs. In Proverbs 18, it talks about a very unique and specific sort of power that we've all experienced for better or for worse. Proverbs 18 says it like this. The tongue has the power of what? Life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. It says the tongue has the power of life and death. The power of life and death is in the tongue. Anybody experienced that before? Someone says the right thing in the right moment, man, whew, you're walking on cloud nine. Or someone utters the wrong words in the right moment. And some people never recover from that. We know this is true. The problem, James tells us later on, is that we are exceptionally gifted at walking in the power of death when it comes to the tongue. James is like, we're experts in one area of the tongue. The tongue, is he says it's full of deadly poison. He's like, man, we can control horses with a little thing in their mouth and we can control a ship. We can control all these big, amazing, incredible things, but no human being can tame the tongue. See, we already have the power of death that the tongue has to it well in our repertoire. The Holy Spirit immersion opens up the power of life. If left to our own devices, we see it, we experience it, we do it, we destroy people with our words. Or, on the flip side of things, we give empty words, sort of generic, sort of hallmark card generic encouragements that while often well-intended, leave us feeling unseen and unloved, which is why we need the empowerment of his spirit, which is why we need his words, his boldness to join in his plan to heal our world. We see this over and over through the book of Acts. If you've read Acts before, you'll see it. If not, as we follow along in this series, you'll get a sense of it. Every single time the Holy Spirit shows up, it's his trademark move, boldness and words. You can flip through this book. Every single time the Spirit shows up, there's boldness and there's words. There's boldness and there's words. This is the mark of his Spirit. Why? Because the filling of the Holy Spirit has a purpose. It's not just to look super spiritual. It's boldness and empowerment to be a witness to those who don't know Jesus and an encouragement and a comfort to those who do. I need us to realize if you are here and you follow Jesus and maybe you're not a Jesus follower, you're watching online, we are thrilled and honored that you're here investigating God and faith and spirituality. But if you follow Jesus, I need you to know your life has divine purpose and God wants to fill you, excuse me, with his spirit to give you purpose. What is it? It is a Boldness and empowerment to be a witness to those who don't yet know Jesus and an encouragement and a comfort to those who do. So I want to specifically camp out this morning where Peter does here in Acts 2 as he watches the Holy Spirit poured out and all of this wild stuff unfold. Look at verse 16. Peter jumps up, 
He's like, let me go ahead and clarify the situation. It's nine in the morning, y'all. We are not drunk. This is what's happening. And he begins to reference what, hap- what Joel spoke of. Joel chapter two. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will what? Prophesy. Now, this is interesting. Peter connects. Now, what you have to understand is within the Jewish framework, they would have been well-versed in Torah. They would have been well-versed in the prophets. They would have had a framework for the scriptures. So Peter is watching. You guys know like the New Testament wasn't penned yet, right? They didn't have this written. So what Peter is doing is he is looking at real life happening and and sort of uh, processing it through the lens, through the context of Old Testament scripture. And so he sees what's happening and he says, oh, this is what God promised in Joel chapter two. That's what's happening right now. He breaks it down for the people. He said, listen, when when the Holy Spirit is poured out, Joel said, God said through Joel, people are going to prophesy. The sign of the Spirit poured out, Joel said, was sons and daughters would prophesy. I would argue with so much hatred and death and darkness, we need these words from God more than ever, amen? We need words of comfort. We need words of hope from his Spirit. We need the sons and daughters to prophesy. If there was ever a moment where we need this, this is the moment. You're like, all right, Pastor John, that's great. Amen, that's awesome. That's not my gift. Here's the problem. The power of the prophetic as reiterated throughout the trajectory of scripture, Old Covenant, Old Testament, and New Testament is actually a call not for the spiritual elite, but it's a call and a longing for every single one of the children of God. How many of you are like, I'm a child of God? Show of hands. All right, some of you are not sure, but you are because God made you, okay, and he loves you. This is, this, check out what Moses said. Numbers 11, all the way back to, to Moses. Moses said this in Numbers 11. I wish that all of God's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. 1 Corinthians 14, Paul echoes this sentiment. He says, I would like for every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. I would argue that the key distinctive, or at least one of the key distinctives of this great awakening is that it is propelled by prophecy. That's good alliteration. When God launched his great awakening, there it is. When God launched his great awakening in Acts, he launched with, check this, 120 out of 120 prophesying. Now, let me clarify. We get this to some degree in other avenues of spirituality, right? We would would say, listen, not everybody is an evangelist, but we know that we're all called to to, to evangelize, to to share the gospel, to be a witness. I'm not saying that we're all going to be prophets, but we can all be prophetic. Because what we see in the Old Testament is what we see in the New Testament is what we see God saying over and over again. When the Spirit comes on people, they become prophetic. This happened with King Saul, if you remember the story. He's going on his way. He's trying to actually kill King David. And all of a sudden, the spirit comes upon him. And what does he do? He prophesies. This happens with Moses. He prophesies. This happens in Joel 2. And now it's happening in Acts chapter 2. But there's something interesting going on if you caught it. Peter steps up and he's like, oh, you wonder what's going on? It's not drunkenness. This is what happened in Joel 2. His sons and daughters will prophesy. You're like, but Pastor John, they didn't prophesy. They spoke in tongues. Anybody catch that? Peter looks at what's happening, and he's like, oh, Joel 2, sons and daughters will prophesy. But they didn't prophesy. They spoke in tongues. 
So what's actually happening here? And I think this is important in terms of application. How many of you are familiar with the idea of sets and subsets? It's like a mathematical thing. All right, so sets and subsets, to give you a basic idea, a set is a big old one and a subset is something inside of it. So let me show, I got an illustration here. This is essentially where Peter goes theologically watching Acts chapter two. People start speaking in these tongues of known languages and Peter says, oh, this is Joel two prophecy. Essentially what he's saying is, hey, you know this tongues thing that you got going on there? Tongues, according to Peter, in the way he unpacks his theology, uh, looking at what he's seeing and having Old Testament backing, is tongues is actually just a subset of prophecy. Why is this important? Because as we dig into what Paul has to say about the working of God's spirit and the gifts of God's spirit, he makes a strong case and a longing that reiterates what Moses said, that all the sons and daughters of God would prophesy. Now in Acts chapter two, the uniqueness of the situation was that it was prophecy in known human languages. What had happened is that people were gathered from all over the place. There was three pilgrim festivals in the in the. Jewish calendar, but it's really, my dad would always say, God's throwing a party and everybody's invited, which I liked. There were these three festivals that everyone was commanded by God to go up to Jerusalem. And so they had just celebrated one of them, the Passover, and they were waiting on the second one, which was Pentecost or Shavuot. They were waiting for this feast of weeks. And so what they would have had is they would have had Jewish people gathered from all over the place. Now, this is important, I'll get into it in a second, but you're like, well, well, John, why doesn't that happen anymore? I mean, this stuff is incredible and amazing, but it really just happened back then. Not true, he still does it. I was talking to my mom because I thought I remembered a story this week. Uh, My father, when he was, him and my mom, when they were first married before us, right, they went on a mission trip to Ecuador. Now, my mom speaks Spanish, she speaks Spanish fluently, she's amazing like that. My dad tried his hardest. All right, my dad, if you remember the story on the honeymoon, he asked the waiter for un beso instead of un baso. Things got awkward real quick. A kiss instead of a glass. Like, he was not exactly a Spanish expert and by no means fluent. I mean, maybe string together a few words. Check this. True story. My dad was there. They were in Ecuador, and, and they were getting done, and his heart was just stirred, and they were doing this ministry thing, and the, there was a stage and a microphone, and he just had something on his heart, and the translator wasn't nearby. So my dad walked up to the microphone, true story, grabbed the mic, and delivered a word, encouragement to the congregation in Spanish that he did not speak, that was intelligible and potent. And he got down and my mom was like, that was the Holy Spirit. He's like, God still does this stuff. He still does this stuff. Now, now what's curious to me, see, here, here's what happened with my dad, and I think the heart posture is, is interesting and it's very important. Out of a love for the people and out of a need, the Holy Spirit gave a prophecy in a known human language. Why would he move by his spirit today? Out of a love for people and out of a need. Now, this is interesting. I wanna talk about the need here for a second because it's different from from what we might think. Why did the Holy Spirit have these disciples speaking all these different languages? Now track with me for a second. We have Jewish people commanded by God from all different parts of the world and they all come into Jerusalem for these pilgrim feasts. And so there's this wild diversity of Jewish people there and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit falls and they hear these people speaking in their language. Why did God do this? 
You're like, well, so that they could all understand. Maybe, except that Peter gets up right after and speaks one language and they all understand him. Because I, I, Here's what my point. This was not a logistical issue God was trying to solve. The people actually would have spoken a common language, whether it be Greek or it be Hebrew. Maybe it wasn't their heart language, or as they say in Acts, their native tongue, but they understood a common language. What God was doing was not exhibiting and solving a logistical problem of translation. It was not about translation. It was about power. What God was doing was getting their attention. What God was doing was giving them a sign. What God was doing is setting up a, a, a softball so Peter could go ahead and spike it. People were like, what in the world is this? This is crazy. We don't have an explanation. Maybe they're drunk, which makes no sense if you actually think about it. How would drunkenness help you get more articulate, not less? They obviously had not been drunk before, but that's not the point. And, and Peter's like, no, 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 no. I know you think this is absolutely bizarre because it is, but it's not drunkenness, it's God. And now he has their attention to preach the gospel, and the Lord added thousands to their number that day. The need was for a sign. And I would argue in my prayer and premise this morning is that same need exists in our current moment exponentially. Do you know how many people there are espousing their ideas on life, faith, and spirituality? Limitless, it's called social media. You know how many influencers there are that have their ideas? We need the attention of earth that will only come by the power of heaven. And we need it more than ever. First Corinthians 14, Paul unpacks it. He says, listen, let me talk to you about tongues. Tongues is a sign for unbelievers. What God was doing in Acts chapter two is giving a sign to get people's attention so that Peter could speak, and now they're listening. First Corinthians two says it like this. Paul says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of what? What does it say? The Spirit's power, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on the power of God. He says, when I came, I wasn't just giving you great ideas. I wasn't just hoping I would convince you with my eloquence. I came to you with a, a, a humble desperation and dependency on the power of God. This is what we see over and over and over through the book of Acts. It's a bunch of ordinary people being desperate enough and humble enough to say, God, we can't do this on our own, and God's power shows up. This is what we see in modern awakenings, that we're full, abundantly full of signs and wonders, and we need them now more than ever. Yes, we do, we do. Here's my application. This message is gonna be like 60% application. Here's my application. It is literally a Bible verse. So if you disagree with it, just argue with God. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14. He says, pursue love and earnestly or eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Can you read that with me? It's a Bible verse. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. It's not a suggestion. This is a mandate. This is a biblical commandment. This is something just like love your neighbor that no one argues with. We just say, sir, yes, sir. Jesus, you're the CEO. I'm gonna follow your lead. He says, pursue love. This, this word earnestly desire, it, it's actually, it's like long for. 
If we had it in English, it would be like long for, crave spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. Why? It goes back to the story of my dad in Ecuador. Because of need for encouragement, for love, for comfort, and out of love for people. See, if you wanted to, and oftentimes, a lot of this goes back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14. By the way, that would be fantastic homework this week to read through those chapters. Let God stir your heart. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the gifts that God gives by his spirit. Then 1 Corinthians 13 talks about love. And it's like, man, if you, if you have all these incredible gifts, but you don't have love, you're nothing. And oftentimes, we, we wrongly in the church world say, yeah, 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 I know chapter, all that chapter 12 stuff, but 1 Corinthians 13 is where it's at. We just need to love people. Amen. So if you wanted to apply 1 Corinthians 13, love, how do you think you would do that? Probably by following where the author goes next, which is 1 Corinthians 14, 1, pursue love. How do I do that? Well, you eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. I just want to be clear here. If we want to be spiritual people, if we want to follow Jesus, if we want awakening, if we want to be people of the spirit, we need to be Bible people. And the Bible says, you want to pursue love? Yes. You want to be people known by love? Yes. You want to bring love to this world? Yes. Perfect. Then pursue love. How? By eagerly desiring spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. Are you guys tracking with me? This is not some sectarian, denominational, I'm a Jew who follows Jesus and pastors a Christian church now. I don't know what camp I fit in. I'm just saying Bible, this is where God calls us to go. We eagerly desire, we long for lots of things. We want new things and a, a new job or new job description or a new title or a raise or the Dolphins to have a competent front office. Lord, have mercy. But what if, out of love for God and people, we began to eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. Now let me clarify what I mean here. Biblical Old Testament prophecy is different from biblical New Testament prophecy. Biblical Old Testament prophecy would often be future telling or forth telling. People get wacky with this all the time. People get in there weird, they, they talk normally and then all of a sudden, thus saith the Lord. So who are you now? Or those try to be like, the Lord has told me who your spouse is, and it's me. It's always, it's always me. Don't do that. Here, here's why. Because if you go in biblical Old Testament prophecy, forth-telling, future-telling stuff, if you're wrong, you get stoned. Not like, welcome to the greenhouse. Not, not stone, like dead stone, okay? I'm just gotta clarify. We got, some of us gotta pass, all right? You get, so New Testament prophecy is different. New Testament prophecy, the Bible lays out is this. In 1 Corinthians 14, 3, Paul says the one who prophesies, this is New Testament prophecy, speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. New Testament prophecy is for strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. It's unique words from God by his spirit. It might seem very natural in the moment, but it's a word that God uniquely knows is gonna resonate with that person at that moment for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Which means I'm convinced that prophecy is happening way more than we realize, and we need it way more than we have it right now. Prophecy could look a bunch of different ways. Prophecy could look like you're at, you're at home and you're taking some time to pray over your family and pray for your kids and just this Bible verse pops in your head and you're like, man, I, I just feel like I'm supposed to share this with my spouse. I feel like I'm supposed to share this with my kids. I, I feel like I'm supposed to pray this over my roommates and, and you just think it's a cool idea and all of a sudden you do it and it hits uniquely and directly into the moment that they're in. What is that? It's called 
prophecy as prompted by God's spirits, word for spirit, words for comfort, encouragement, and strengthening. You could be in a microchurch and, and you're there and you've got some time carved out. We have time in our microchurch. We call it Holy Spirit time because it's an incredibly novel name for it. And, and we just take time to pause and say, God, is there anything you want to say to us, through us right now? And all of a sudden, someone pops into your head. Something randomly pops into your head as you're praying about it. It's probably not random if it lines up with scripture and it's a given for the purpose of comfort, edification, and strengthening. That could be prophecy. You're at school. You're at your workplace. And all of a sudden, you just, you just have this thought. You just have this sense. You're like, I, I feel like I'm supposed to talk to, to that coworker. I feel like I'm supposed to encourage my boss. I feel like I'm supposed to say this to my classmate. Listen, if you follow Jesus and you're actively saying, God, I want you to use me in my world to be a blessing and a source of hope and encouragement to people, it's probably not a random thought. Most likely, that's an awakening. That's revival waiting to happen. It's prophecy. Here's the call. I'm praying that we would be a group that does not just talk about it. We're going to be about it, which means we would make our tongues available to God that we would live life with a little bit of extra margin. I'm telling you, it doesn't take much. A little bit of extra margin. And when we go to our classes, and when we go to our workspace, and when we go to a restaurant and we're about to talk to the waiter, and when we go in the checkout line, we take a little pause. All it takes is a little pause. Say, Holy Spirit, do you, do you have anything you want me to say? And if you sense something, say something. I, I'm, so, I'm so stirred for this. This has been my biggest personal prayer all during our 21 days of prayer and fasting. I'm like, God, I'm, I, I, I used to be such a jerk. I could care less about people. I was so selfish, and God's still doing a work in me, but he's changed my heart. I love people, and I interact with people all, all, all the time now in different sectors of life. It's kind of my gig now through the highest of highs and the low of lows, and I'm like, God, people are so beat up in the season. People are hurting in the season. People feel hopeless in the season. God, use me. I want to be available. I want you to be a, a source of hope and encouragement. So my prayer has been, God, I don't just want to give people my personality. I, I, I'm outgoing. I like connecting with people. I, I really enjoy meeting new people. I'm like, God, people don't just need John's personality. They need you. God, get more. And more. My prayer personally has been, God, more and more, I want to hear words from heaven that will be for the strengthening, encouragement, and uplifting of the people around me. God, I, I want to pursue love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. I was at lunch this week with my buddy Emmanuel from our microchurch, and we're just having lunch. We're having lunch, and, and Emmanuel's such a good dude, man, so we start talking about life, and then we start talking about Jesus, and he just got me fired up. He's like, man, he starts talking about, he's like, man, and when it comes to the Holy Spirit, he starts talking about the book of Acts and the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts, and we're talking back and forth, and I'm like, bro, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm, I'm praying right now that God will give me a word for the server, like right now, and so he kind of got a twinkle in his eyes, like, all right. So we talked a little bit more, and then I, I felt like I heard something, not audibly, but just kind of in my heart, and so I looked at him, I was like, hey, bro, I think I got something. I'm going to go for it. Like two teenage guys, he started, he's like, do it, man. Starts egging me on. Like all the foolishness I used to get egged on for in high school. He's like, do it, man. Do it. I'm, I'm going to do it. He's like, do it. Do it. Okay. So the server comes over, and, and we go to the same spot. We, we hang out for lunch and go to the same spot sometimes. And so we had had her once before. And so I said, hey, you know, I, I think you waited on our table once before. You know, we followed Jesus. I wanted to pray for you. She's like, oh, I remember. Yeah, that was cool. You did that last time. I was like, yeah, yeah. I said, um, I'm just going to take you know, step out on a limb here. Does the word joy mean anything to you? She kind of looks at me and she's like, I, I, I guess it means a lot of things. <laughs> like, that's fair. That's fair. I said, well, you know, I, I, um, I follow Jesus and, and 
just praying for you. I feel like every person kind of has like a, a superpower is I think how I said it. Like every person has like a unique thing, a gift about them that brings like great value and contribution to this world based off of how God's just wired them. And, and I feel like God told me that joy is your superpower. She starts tearing up. I was like, yes, come on. And I just shared what God put in my heart. I said, and I feel like God, you know, this season's been hard for everybody, but I feel like in any way that your cup has begun to run dry and you've begun to lose joy, that God wants you to know that he sees you and he loves you and he's gonna fill your cup with joy. And she just loses it. She starts crying. She's like, oh, well, now I'm gonna have to go get myself together before my next table, but thank you. So you're really welcome. And she left. And then we tipped her well. Right? Because that's an important part of the equation. You know, but more and more, I'm like, God, I'm not, and Emmanuel and I, and we just had the rest of our lunch, and we talked about whatever, and we had a good time. You know, but I'm like, Lord, I, I don't just want, like, I want to live like Paul lived. I want to live that out where when I came, I wasn't just coming with persuasive words of human wisdom, but it, with a demonstration of the spirit and power. That your faith wouldn't rest on the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Like, I'm telling you, God's power is so readily available. And it's the promise of his spirit. Joel 2, when I pour out my spirit, my sons and daughters are going to prophesy. God promised it in Joel. He confirmed it in Acts, and he hasn't stopped doing it since. We've had some incredible moments here over the past several months where God has been moving in very powerful and potent ways. I'm telling you, every single time, the fingerprint of the Holy Spirit on these services has been exactly this, his sons and daughters prophesying. Testimony after testimony. Yeah, this random person came up to me, and they weren't weird about it. They didn't like, thus saith the Lord. They were just normal, but they're like, hey, I, I feel like God put something in my heart for you. Da -da 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 -da. And the person's like, freak me out. How did they know that? They didn't. God did. I'm telling you, I feel like we've, we've seen like, if there's 100 steps to success, I feel like we're at step 1.3, but I'm seeing it. I'm like, Lord, if, if, you're, if what this is about is just Pastor John and Pastor Malik and Pastor Robert and whoever else gets on the microphone, Nancy, you know, like, do, hope you do your best thing to see revival. That's not gonna bring revival, but you know what might? His sons and his daughters prophesying, unleashed for the best reasons possible, full of love for God and people in their workplaces and when they go to the grocery store and when they're in the checkout line and when they're pumping gas and talking to the clerk at Wawa. And they're just like, God, I'm available. If you've got something from heaven that you want to get spoken on earth, my tongue is yours. God knows we've given our mouths to a bunch of other foolishness. Might as well make it available to him. Worst case scenario is we look stupid. How many of y'all are already good at that on your own, right? Best case scenario, heaven meets earth. Weigh out that value proposition. Not much to lose. I'm praying that we give it a shot. I'm praying that we would pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy, and that we would not just read this, that we would do this. Here's why. Because you're, when you're doing this, when you are pursuing love and er, eagerly or earnestly desiring spiritual gifts, all of a sudden things that to you seem very normal and natural become supernatural. Why? Because most of the time prophecy doesn't look like some mind-blowing thing that you've said that's going to make everyone reconsider their life's choices. It looks like a very normal thing to you. But God knows that uniquely in their story, at that moment and in that specific way, they need to hear it. 
I'm telling you, when it, when it comes to prophecy, if you, start, if you take me up on this dare, I double dog dare you to do this, and you start doing it, don't be surprised when what pops into your head seems so boring and so like, wah, wah, loser Christianity. You're like, I'm just supposed to tell them that God cares about them so much? Maybe, because it's not about your eloquence. It's about God's wisdom and his power and what he knows a person needs in the moment. Get filled with the Holy Spirit and make your tongue available to God. I'm just praying we'd give it a shot. At least give it a shot. Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Read it this week and say, God, speak to me. Stir my heart. Some of us come from denominations where we've, we've experienced an excess of, excess of this. It's like, let the juice loose, check your brain at the door, and it's all sorts of like out of order stuff. Some of us have come from backgrounds where it's like, no, 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 you know, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Bible, Holy Bible. You know, and Holy Spirit's like the awkward uncle at the family reunion that no one really talks about, right? Wherever you're coming from, I would just plead with you. Can we realize at this point that what we've been doing up to this point isn't working any longer? We need awakening. We need the power of his spirit. The word Jesus gave us a word, wait and be filled so we can receive his words, prophecy to build up, comfort and edify others and our world needs his words now more than ever. I'm gonna close with this story. Worship team, you can come up and we'll get ready to close in a final chorus here. I end up doing a lot with educators at this point. It's something that I felt very called to. My background's in education. I've got a master's in education and so before I moved here, I felt God spoke to me about doing stuff with educators and now I get to do stuff with public school educators every single week, principals and administrators and it's been really fun. And so this week, I'm telling you, man, I'm not just preaching this out of like theory. I am passionately wanting to live this out. And so this week I ended up interacting with a teacher, actually a teacher right here at Western and, um, and they, we were texting back and forth and they kind of said something sort of vaguely that led on that maybe it was they were having a challenging moment and um and so I literally sat there at my desk at the hub at our office space and I was like Lord give me a word I don't know what this teacher needs but you do God give me something you know modern prophecy in the 21st century technological text age Lord give me a word so I texted him I feel like God popped I, I, I can't even remember to be honest what it was but I texted it to him I was like man I'm gonna go for it and so he responds, and we start texting back and forth. And this is normally a teacher that, you know, it's like the, the, the text bubbles stay on forever, and you never hear anything back, and a week goes by, and you might get something. It's one of those, and he starts firing back. So we're in this text conversation, and, and we culminated the, you know, we went back and forth. I can't even remember what exactly I texted him. And he, he wrote me back, and he said, hey, man, thank you for taking the time with me today. You have no idea what you're saying or how much I needed to hear that today. And you know what I thought? You're right. I have no idea. I don't even remember what I texted him. Who knew? God. The, the hero of this story, when we look at this great awakening in Acts, and the hero of the story when we see great awakenings in modern history, friends, it's not some incredible charismatic personality, and it's not some incredibly inordinately articulate communicator, and it's not some, I love Jessica and our other worship leaders that come in, and Zach and Kayla and, and IG, I love that. It's not some incredible singers. It's God's incredible love moving through broken, ordinary people in the power of his spirit. That's a hero. If you feel very ordinary, you're in a great spot. If you feel like you don't really have that much to bring to the table, you're in a great spot. If you feel like I don't really know what I can do, you're right, you're in a great spot. Invite God in because the hero isn't humans, it's God. And we know the story. This is the good news of the gospel that God sees our brokenness and he sees our wounds and he sees our pain and he didn't simply send an email, he came. He came. 
Because at the end of the day, friends, if you're here and, and you've been listening in, you don't just need a word, you need the word. Why? Because encouragements are gonna fade. We're like leaky vessels. The good encouragement comes in and it leaks right back out. And, and even, the, even a prophecy from heaven, timely, is gonna leak out and words will be forgotten. And God so loved the world that he sent the word, that he sent Jesus. And before you step out and try to ask God for those words, it all begins with receiving the word as Lord, leader, and CEO. And the word Jesus promised he would never leave you nor forsake you, that he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And the access to the life that you were created for that you've been searching for, that you've been longing for, it is found and in him. And when you surrender to his leadership in your life, why don't you join me as we pray? I wanna give us a chance to respond. Jesus, we're listening. Thank you that you're here. Thank you that you care. Even right now, we ask that you'd step in and move by your spirit. If you're here this morning and you want to allow Jesus, the word, to come in as Savior and Lord, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. By Savior, it's basically an acknowledgement that, that all of us as human beings have fallen short of God's standard. God set a path and a plan out before us, and all humans basically said, nah, that's good, I'll do it on my own. And we inevitably fall short of God's righteous standard. And when we get to a point of humility and desperation, we say, God, save me from my sin. Save me from my pride. Save me from my stubbornness. Save me from my inability to fix the things wrong with me and around me on my own. Save me. You invite him in as Savior, but then you invite him in as Lord. Jesus, I want to go with your game plan, your thoughts, your ideas, your ways, your path. If you're here this morning, if you're watching online and you want to make Jesus Savior and Lord, here's all you need to do. Invite him in. Right where you're at, you can just look towards heaven in the quietness of your own heart and say, Jesus, I surrender. Lord, come in and be Savior. Come in and be Lord. You're the CEO. You're the leader. You're calling the shots. I'm going with your ways, your path, your plan. Maybe you're here and you've already begun a journey with Jesus, but, but somehow life has become consumed in your own, your own stuff, your own life, your own plans, your own agenda. And this morning you sense God's spirit either online or in the room, tapping you and tugging you to engage in his great awakening agenda to pursue love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. If that's you, say, God, I'm in. God, I'm in. I'm listening. You've got my attention. And here's my encouragement to you. Do it today. Start today. Take a moment when you, whenever you go to lunch or when you go back or when you get ready to go to work, say, God, give me a word. Give me a prophecy for someone tomorrow at work. Give me a word for someone in my class. Not future telling stuff, just something, something that's gonna be a word of comfort, uplifting, hope, or encouragement. Now here's how I'd like to close. If you could stand to your feet. If I could get all of our prayer partners up here to line the front. I've asked some of these prayer partners, some of our microchurch leaders and others, you guys can line up to the front here. I've asked them to be ready this morning for words of prophecy. I said, hey, listen, there, there's no magic formula here, right? So they can't just like conjure it up. But I'm like, man, come prayed up, come expectant, come asking if you this morning, either online or in the room, need a word of hope, 
comfort, encouragement, or strength. As soon as we begin to sing and Jessica leads us in this final chorus, I want to invite you to come. And I am praying and believing that by God's spirit, he is going to do some supernatural things this morning. Let's worship as we close together. So this is Romans 8:38. right before we close during worship. I had someone come to me and say they felt this was that someone you needed to hear uniquely in this moment. Paul writes, he says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord, no matter what you've done or what has happened, Nothing is strong enough to separate you from the love of God. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you for this church family that that you love so deeply. Lord, I get it. I love them too. They're great. God, I pray your blessing on them. Lord, would you give us empowerment by your spirit to be a source of hope and comfort and strength to a hurting, desperate, broken world around us. Lord, help us to pursue love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. Lord, by the power of your spirit, 
for the good of those around us. We say yes to you. Lord, I pray that you would bless them and keep them. Send them out in faith and health. Make your face shine upon them and be gracious to them. Lift up your countenance and give them shalom, shalom, perfect peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.